At Meadowbrook Church, we are part of a family of churches, a network of churches called the Canadian Conference of Mennonite Brethren Churches, and uh, there's an Ontario branch of, as well, the Ontario Conference, and, uh, and as part of that, we are part of a network of families that believe similarly and have a similar philosophy of ministry, uh, and with that, we have MB Mission. Robin is here uh, representing them today as we send Somdi out. That's the, the mission-sending branch of our uh, Ontario Conference, and we also have a camp uh, which I know many of you know and have been a part of up in Muskoka called Camp Crossroads. And I got to spend some time there this summer with my family. We had an incredible time up there. Uh, it was just an exciting time with my wife and kids. And so we have today speaking Ed Heinrichs, who's the director of Camp Crossroads. And he's going to share uh, a little bit of what's going on at camp. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, the mission of God and what that looks like. So would you please welcome Ed as he comes to bring the word today. What a privilege to be here this morning. Had a little bit of a deja vu moment out in the lobby. Someone said to me, when did you start attending here? <laughs> great, great question. And you think it's today. It was 30 years ago, three weeks ago, that Cheryl and I started attending here in Leamington. When that church, in a moment of misguided enthusiasm, said, would you guys come and serve on the staff? And so we were here for a really intense period of time that was transformative for us. Really good memories of being here in this place and being part of the mission that this church has been on for many decades. So thank you for investing in young people like us in that way. Cheryl was seven years old when we were here. I know you're <laughs> trying to figure it out, but anyway. So it, it's good to be back and it's good to be a part of what you are a part of on the mission of God. And to see uh, MB Mission represented here. Thanks, Robin, for sharing those words. And, for sending out the family that's going to represent Jesus in Thailand. Privileged to, to partner together with you. And uh, God is faithful. And I want to share some of that. This isn't about camp so much as about God at work. And more specifically through Camp Crossroads as much as he works through Meadowbrook and through MB Mission. He's, he's building his kingdom and we get to be a part of that. So we celebrate that together. Uh, God has been faithful during the past 36 years of Camp Crossroads ministry in Torrance. And we have a very specific purpose in what we do. I started there uh, three years ago, I guess four now, 2013, and uh, asked the question, why are we doing this? A lot of energy, a lot of resources, a lot of facilities, and it's good to keep coming back to this. And I actually say this to myself a number of times through the course even of a week, and I'll ask the staff, why are we doing this again? And this is the answer we've got, and, and we want to be accountable to you. Camp exists as a Christ-centered ministry. It's about Jesus. Ultimately, that's the purpose for everything. Every room, every building, the, the 300. By the way, uh, you own 300 acres in Muskoka. Come and use it. Be a part of it. It's an exciting place to be. But that's why it's there. It's Jesus at the center. Otherwise, we're wasting our time and we may as well go on and do something else. There are literally, and I'm, I'm surprised now that I've gotten involved in, in the whole camping world, how many camps there are in Ontario. Not many of them can say Jesus is at the center. They have a lot of fun. They do a lot of stuff. But that's got to be our identifier. We have Jesus at the center. And thank you, Chris, for coming and sharing Jesus last summer as a speaker in a family camp. That's what we're about, Christ-centered. We want to point people to Jesus. We want to support the local church. So you've got camps, and then you've got this subset of Christian camps. And there's actually a subset of Christian camps that are as closely tied in to churches as Camp Crossroads. And that's a gift that we value. And we want to be accountable to you to serve well on the mission that we're on, 
to point people to Jesus and to connect them back in to the local church. So we're excited that we've got over 20 of your young people at camp today. They're probably leaving in the next little while after having some great food and get back on the bus and ride down. Probably most of them will be sleeping. We did still have snow, about a foot and a half of it when we left yesterday. It's very wet, so the kids are going to be soaked, but they're going to have a blast. <laughs> and we hope they've met Jesus, either for the first time or in fresh ways this weekend. And so ask them. Ask them about that and see what the answers are because we believe that God will have been at work. So Christ-centered, support the local church, make disciples. We didn't make that up. Jesus says, go and make this. We're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning, but that's the mission we're all called to be on. Whether it's in Thailand, whether it's in Leamington, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Torrance, Muskoka, uttermost parts of the world, it's all part of the mission that God's called us to. So Developing leaders is a subset of what we get to do. I always say we make disciples, and a subset of that is developing them as leaders. We have over about 50 of them each summer that come up and we invest. Some of your kids have been up and grown as leaders and had opportunities to experience that. So we're excited to be a part of that and to continue to invest in young people in that way. So I just want to give you the camp recipe. I love dessert. You knew that already. You're looking and some of you are judging me. I'm working on it, but we have food carts, and to walk past it multiple times a day, I love dad's cookies. I don't know what the recipe is, but the result is really good. Well, I'm going to let you in on the camp recipe for what we do. So a couple of different pieces. One is it's about fun. They come in. That's a Gaga Ball pit. Anybody ever played Gaga Ball? Kids, here. It's nothing to do with Lady Gaga, so you can put your hand up. <laughs> it costs us about $800 to build a thing, and it's used all the time. But you we're going to actually we missed the video didn't we i'm getting way ahead of myself okay let me walk you through the recipe and then you can see it in action so it's about fun kids come up there and they just have a blast and they expend a lot of energy and they just have fun up there that's one part of the recipe there's another part to it and that is it's about friends they make connections and develop friendships some that last a lifetime in fact we have seen people meet at camp fall in love birds started singing stars were shining and the rest is history. I'm going to go out on limb. Anybody here this morning in this service that met their spouse at Camp Crossroads? We had some in the first service. Anybody know of anybody or anybody have anybody in their family that met at Camp Crossroads? Yeah, Rachel and Renita. Both, right? Anybody here? Yeah, your kids, right? Catherine? Okay, well, there you go. We, if, if your marriage came out of Camp Crossroads, we'd normally charge a commission on the value of your marriage, but we won't do that since that your sisters will have to deal with that. But it's about building relationships in the context of Christian community in a Christ-centered atmosphere. If you want your, your children to find a good spouse, send them to camp. I'm just saying. Okay, so it's about friends. What else? This is ultimately what it's about. It's about faith. It's about creating a space where the, all of that is happening and suddenly there's this openness to who Jesus is. And then we have people that come up and open the scriptures, point to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit works, and lives are transformed. Let's see that in action. Can we go to the video? That could be you, the one that stays on the tube. But it's a lot of fun. Camp has been in existence in the Torrance location for 36 years. I just want to share a couple of the things that God has done over those years. We've seen 45,000 campers come through that place. 
I checked the numbers with a former director and we added up the math, that's significant. They come up and have a camp experience and the potential for God to work in that environment. And here's what's really exciting. In Luke, the gospel, in the gospels, it says that when a sinner repents, the angels rejoice. Last year alone, we saw over 200 significant spiritual decisions. That includes first time responses to the gospel to say, I need to follow Jesus. Responses of, I need to get baptized. I need to be reading scripture more. I need to be discipled. Those kinds of decisions. And we record those because that's what we're about. And what you measure, you do. So it's not just about numbers, but about lives being transformed. And those stories are heard over and over again. As I visit different churches, and you see baptisms. In many cases, people will say, it was going to a camp, whether crossroads or whatever. In camp ministry, God seems to work in people's lives and challenge them to take the next step of obedience. So it's part of the mission that we're, we're on together. So we're really excited to serve together with you in that place uh, of Torrance, Ontario, through the Camp Crossroads ministry. Lives, lives being changed and being impacted in so many ways. Um, last year, we had over 63 new people attending our family camps, partly because Chris was one of the speakers. We just saw them. They were flocking up there. But just, we're excited about that because it's a place where families are being discipled and encouraged and they can just relax. Unhook, turn off the phone, just spend time in God's creation. So we're excited about that. We saw many, many decisions for Christ. We did baptize somebody in Black Lake as well in partnership with their local church. So we're just excited about what God is continuing to do as, as we move forward. We're looking forward to this year and seeing many more come up. Uh, please visit the camp website. If you're interested, I'd say register early because the weeks are filling up fairly quickly. So send your kids, send your grandkids, send your neighbor's kids. They're all welcome. Just tell the neighbors where the kids are. <laughs> By about Tuesday, just in case they're wondering. So this is not about Camp Crossroads. This is about God's mission. We are part of it together with you. And thank you for your encouragement, for your support and your prayers, because we're on the front lines of the spiritual battle, inviting people to respond to Jesus and to see who he is. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your goodness, for the privilege of this morning, meeting together as your people, knowing that when you look upon us, you do so with love, with a desire to bless and to extend grace and mercy. Your mercies are new every day, and so we receive that. In Jesus' name, amen. Skill testing question. It was fun to be here to see the commissioning. How many missionaries does Meadowbrook have? Some of you know the answer because you were in the first service. Thank you. Who said that? All of us. All of us are on mission. And if we are in Christ, we have a very clear mission, and he's given us a mandate, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Everybody is actually on mission. That's true. Whether it's our own little kingdom that we're trying to create, or we're part of a bigger mission that God has called us into, and we are now given the mandate to do. I get excited about stuff. I think I would attend Meadowbrook Church for the espresso. Love the worship. Thank you to the worship team. Inspiring, beautiful stuff. But of all the churches we visit, you guys have... There's this category called church coffee. <laughs> you don't fit that. You're breaking... It's a sad thing to me that there's actually a category called church coffee, and it usually means it's not drinkable. But you're breaking the mold. Thank you for that. But 
to be a part of, of what God is doing, to be on mission together. That's, that's the call in all of our lives. Now, I get excited about espresso, so I'm going to tell people about the, the coffee at Meadowbrook. I'll become an evangelist in that way. We're, in some ways, we all do. You'll tell your friends about the great movie that you saw or those nice new boots you bought on sale or the new shirt you got or whatever. We, we do that. We, we are on mission. Problem is, it's usually not the right mission. So God's inviting us into a transformative mission that, that is bigger than all of us. That's the invitation. That's the invitation, and we get to be a part of that. I'm going to quote someone, brilliant person, genius. See if you can identify who this is. God is not just creating worshipers. He created us to rule with him and to participate with him. Chris said that last week, and I, it hit me. Oh, hands went up. Hands went up all over behind you. They were all, yeah, pointing at you. Chris said it. Brilliant. I, I listened to his message, and I thought, that's just brilliant. That, that's so true. And he wants us to be a And that's what we're going to focus on. So in addition to prayer, there's another way, which you've been focusing on as a church, there's another way in which we can participate in God's kingdom, and that is through mission. So we're going to pick up on that theme. What does that look like? Let's go to Luke chapter 9 together. I had a Bible blowout this morning. I went to pick up my Bible, and the cover fell off. So I'm hoping it kind of survives and holds together here. But in Luke chapter 9, there's a story of Jesus calling together. Let's go to Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 1. Jesus calls the 12 together and says he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to drive out all demons all demons, and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So when Pastor Chris prayed this morning for your missionaries going out, that's in line with God's will, that they would see that in Thailand. Question, is that in line with God's will for us in North America? We usually say, yeah, over there. What about right here? What are the principles coming out of this text? Let's look, continue to look at that. And to heal the sick, he told them, take, no and this is the hard part, take nothing with you. And if that isn't clear enough, take nothing with you for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you, have, until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, you shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere and that was noteworthy if you continue to read in the text people are starting to take note of what's going on here and it's it's exciting to see the results they set out and they did what jesus called them to do a couple of things happen last week's message and correct me if i'm wrong on this was entitled shifting heaven's plans about prayer and there's an invitation to engage with god even to wrestle with god in prayer and to be involved in seeing heaven's plan shifted. There's another place of engagement, and that is in mission. And that is a call for us to align with heaven's plans. Because God is on mission, always. We are called to be a part of that. So what does that look like? What are some principles that we can draw out of this text? See, this text isn't happening in a vacuum. Jesus has already been walking with the disciples for some time. And if you read the earlier parts of Luke, you'll see that he's been teaching them with authority and he's been demonstrating his power over all things. He has been healing the sick. 
He's been restoring those that are un, and demonically possessed. He has shown them his power and his authority. But notice now at the beginning of verse 9 here, what, he's, what he has done is he gave them power and authority to go and to do these things. So when we align with heaven's plan, with heaven's mission, those things will follow. Because God would not send us out without giving us what we need. So that's going to happen. There, there are two things here. One is power and one is authority. And Jesus had both of them. And the way I understand it is if there's a cop standing at the side of the road and he does this and you stop. Some of you are reliving some moments you've had recently. Confess, my friend. Confess, brother. It's good for your soul. When he does this and you stop, that's authority. When he does this and you stop, that's power. Jesus had both. He, demonstrated, he taught with authority, but he also demonstrated power by taking the demonic forces and making them submit. And now it says he gave that to the disciples as he sends them out. He sent them out. He had authority over them. And what did they do? He sent, they went. It even rhymes. Repeat after me. He sent, they went. Question, does that apply to us? Has he sent? The answer is, have we went? I'm leaving it hanging. Just pause for a moment for effect. Conviction, that's between you and God. So he demonstrates his power. And people have responded to that. There was no doubt that he knew what he was talking about. He had shown them his authority. He had shown them his power. Does it still hold true today? Does it still hold true today? Matthew 28, the last word Jesus speaks before he ascends, and it says in Ephesians, he ascended and filled the whole universe with his glory. And at the end of Matthew 28, he says, all authority has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Does that principle still hold in 2017? So we, by extension, are sent ones. And all of the, can we just go to the next slide? If we're aligned with heaven's plans, we will be resourced. In fact, we already have the resources. All that we need for righteousness and godliness has been given to us. Wow. Take a deep breath. This is a beautiful thing. We have what we need. We have all that we need as you go to Thailand and as you go to work on Monday morning. Power and authority. Something happens when we say the name of Jesus. Power and authority. There's no other name under heaven by which people can be saved. And, I, I, you know, some of these movie effects where something happens and you see this, these ripples through. My imagination works sometimes. And I think as we declare Jesus, whether it's in our worship songs or in testifying, in the spiritual realm. In fact, in Revelation, it says that the enemy was thrown down. He's defeated. And it says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and... Say it louder. Our testimonies have power in the spiritual realm. We have what we need. We've been sent. We go in the authority and power of Jesus. That's exciting to me. That's the mission we're on, and God's invited us into and equipped us for. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go together. 
Exciting stuff. Now, let's move on in the text because now it gets challenging. Then he tells them later on in just a couple of verses down, he sent them out and he says, uh, take nothing for the journey. So fully resourced, but then he ups the ante a little bit, raises the stakes, if you will, and he says, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. And uh, I'd always focused on that part of the text and had missed the earlier section. And in my daily reading plan, this chapter was actually something I was reading about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and started feeling God nudging me to share that this morning. And then I listened to the message online, and it was like, thank you. God just lined up a few things in my mind. It was like, wow, fully resourced, but take nothing with you. Tangible stuff, right? And it reminded me of a canoe trip that my, uh, our youth group, when I was uh, growing up in, in the Virgil area, Niagara area, we went on a youth canoe trip, and we got prepared. We went to the YMCA, and we took, you know, went in the pool and paddled around the pool and learned you know, first aid and all that kind of stuff. Then we left for the trip, and it rained all the way up to Algonquin Park. And it rained all day as we were paddling to our campsite. And we got to our campsite, and it's still raining. And my brother and I are in the same canoe, and we're unpacking our stuff. And I said to my brother, pass me the tent, and I'll set it up. He's like, I thought you got the tent. The tent was in the van. A a day's paddle back. We slept without it. I slept without a tent that night. He managed to crawl into somebody's tent that had some space, and I wasn't as smart as him. I slept outside. This is what Jesus is saying, only he's warning them ahead. You're going out, and you're not taking any stuff with you. Now, fully resourced, don't take anything. So if we're aligned with heaven's plans, we're fully dependent. This isn't isn't a sole proprietorship where we go out and do stuff and build our own kingdom. This is a franchise. See, see the difference? We're in line with what God's doing and in submission to him. So there's the full resourcing spiritually, but there's also this place of complete dependence upon Jesus. And I struggle with this. I struggle with it when a country says no to missionaries and doesn't give them visas. Really? Really? We're on mission, God. And I wrestle with that. But he leaves us in a place of dependence, trusting him and believing him. And as a mission organization, that's tough waiting for resourcing to happen, to send them out. But you know what? That's part of God's plan. And it reminds us, we don't, with all due respect to you musicians, we don't need all the techno geek stuff, right? Sometimes the PowerPoint doesn't work and we're like, okay, shut it down, go home. We can't be a part of this anymore. No, we don't need the stuff. We need Jesus. And what we need, we have been given. Yes? So let's go. We have it. Sometimes, you know, and and I've been in that place and I'm still there many times. It's like, I don't know, God. I don't know. And he shows up. Because we have what we need. Let's not wait for the next thing to enable us to be on mission. Let's go in dependence, recognizing we have what we need. And he is able. And and that place of dependence is a good thing. Cheryl and I usually pack a lot of stuff when we go places. But this is the extreme other end of that. Jesus says, go, leave it. Don't depend on the stuff, depend upon me. And he sent them out. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. That's humbling to be that dependent on people. So flip the page in Luke 
And you're going to see something happen here. As he now calls or sends out the 72, and he ups the ante just a little bit. What time does this service end? It goes on and on, right? <laughs> okay, so Luke 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, so he's spanning the circle, and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful. Don't worry about the results. He's the Lord of the harvest, right? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he sends them out, but he says to them, go. That's a command. You see the little, my Bible, it's got an exclamation. How many of you have exclamation marks by the word go? That, that's an emphatic statement. Go. It stands alone. Go. There it is, right? Go. I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Lambs are tasty little bits to wolves. There's no fight. They're done. That's, that's a disconcerting image. He's showing them how dependent they are, how dependent we are. We don't engage the spiritual forces of darkness in our own strength because we will be annihilated. But in the power and authority of Jesus, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. So let's never make the mistake of doing this in arrogance. Let's do this in humility and dependence on Jesus, who sends us out and makes us more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. That's a challenging scripture. It's frightening if we're not operating in the Spirit and God is enabling us. There's a caution in there as well. We are not autonomous. See, our culture tells us autonomy is attainable, which is a lie. And it also tells us that autonomy is a good thing, which is a lie. God never intended or designed us to be autonomous, independent. And, and we actually even instill that in our kids to some degree. And we say to them, you can be anything you want to be. And that has led us down a very evil and dark path to saying, I don't want to be this anymore. I'm going to be that. And I'll go through. Anyway, I won't go there. But to be autonomous and independent in the moral choices that we make and the things that we do, are only going to damage us. We are not autonomous. We are dependent, and that's a good thing. Independence, and we aspire to it. That was never God's plan. Interdependence with one another and utter dependence upon him is his plan. So let's align with heaven with God's plans and purposes. So what happens? Something really powerful happens, not just out there, as the community takes notice and people are healed and set free, but something powerful happens in here as well as the disciples go as they are sent. So let's, let's back up, go back to chapter uh, 8 for just a second. I love that sound, that's rustling sound of leaves and, or pages and turning. Jesus calms a storm, Luke 8, 22. One day... Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. Simple statement. But what happens as they're going, they're sailing, Jesus falls asleep, and then a squall came down the lake so that the boat was being swamped. Do you know what a squall is? It's a storm on the water. I, I read a lot of sailing biographies and people that actually sail out into the ocean during storm season just to learn how to be better sailors. This is nasty stuff, a squall. Jesus is sleeping 
The disciples are afraid, and they're like, we're going to drown, we're going to drown. Jesus gets up, and what does he do? He's not scared. He's not afraid. He demonstrates his power and his authority. And look at verse uh, 25 then. What do they do? They're like, who is this? Who is this? They've been with him now for a while, but they still don't quite get it. Now jump ahead with me. Let's go back to Luke chapter uh, 9 and look at verse 18 there. Jesus and his disciples are in private conversation now. And Jesus says to them, who do the crowds say I am? So there's that question, who is this? But Jesus is now asking them, who do the crowds say I am? And of course, they give the responses. And then he kind of challenges them and he says, who do you say I am? What about you? Who do you say I am? And what do they say? The Christ. The Christ of God. The chosen one, the sent one, the anointed one, the Messiah. This is loaded language because these are Jewish people. And they've waited their whole lives. And they've waited for thousands of years for Jesus to come. And now they're saying, you're him. What happened between the storm and this? They went on mission. They went on mission. Something happened during that time where they not only heard and saw, but they experienced the transformative power of being resourced and aligned with God's mission and being dependent upon him. Something happened in their thinking. It moved from just being an idea to being reality. They get who Jesus is. They get who Je- In fact, later on, as uh, Jesus is in the upper room with the disciples during the Last Supper, He actually references this sending out of Luke 9. That's part of his reminder. Remember that? You were changed when you went out, resourced and dependent upon me. Let's go to the next slide. You were transformed. So Chris uh, brushed up again. I I used the word sidestep. Was that disrespectful? There's this polarity that we manage in our faith. When we pray, does God change his mind? I don't know. I don't know God. I don't know how he thinks. So I live with that tension. But I do know this, that when we're involved, well, when we pray and when we're involved in God's mission, we'll be changed. Something's going to happen. These guys were transformed. We will be transformed. As we enter into that place of dependence upon God, we're going to see things happen. We will understand who Jesus is more fully than we ever could in a thousand Bible studies or a thousand sermons. Right? Sometimes you wonder, why am I not growing spiritually? I'm just, you know, I'm so much good, there's so much good spiritual teaching out there. You, you don't have to go far. Click the button and you're getting the best. Right? Including Chris, the best. But that's not enough. Jesus taught and he sent. That's discipleship. Learn, go. So this week, are we ready for it? Do you need anything? No, we got it. If you are in Christ, you're on his mission. That's a given. That's to align with heaven's plans and purposes for us to be on mission with him. We have all that we need according to his riches and glory for the mission that he's calling us to. And as we step out, stuff's going to happen. I'm convinced of it. I've seen it. I've seen it globally and I've seen it in our Torrance area and I know it's happening in Leamington. We get to be a part of it. So you're on a mission. doesn't matter who you are. The question is, is it God's mission? And there's an invitation 
to be a part of what he's doing. And I'll tell you what, all the other stuff, it's going to go away. Only that will remain. And that's the only mission that has the authority and power of Jesus behind it and the assurance that it will happen. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. May God bless you, Meadowbrook, as you're doing that here in Memington. May God continue to just resource you in power and authority, and may he withhold all this stuff that's going to get in the way. I just said that out loud, because that can happen. And what a, what a tragedy. Just please don't withhold the espressos. <laughs> Some of that stuff, obviously, we use, and it's, it's not about that. You know that. But also, this will be different. We will be different. I think we're actually still members at Meadowbrook. I don't think we ever rescinded our membership. So I might put a nomination in. Some of your names might be in the, the sermon. But to be a part of this, whether we're here or in Torrance, God's kingdom is bigger than the local church, but you get to be a part of building it here. Are you excited? What do you need? You got it. If you are in Christ, his spirit is in you. He's sending you. He goes with you. He goes before you. Can I, I'm going to tell a quick story. Actually, uh, it was out of a, an awake weekend. It's going back a little bit. Cheryl and I went. We were representing camp. Somehow we ended up doing that. And uh, they sent out teams. And we were, out, we were the ones that weren't selected for a team. So we're kind of like, well, let's go to Starbucks. We're in civilization. There's no Starbucks within, I don't know how far of us up north. So we went to Starbucks. Now, but I'm thinking as I'm walking in, I believe it was God saying, you're still on mission. You're not an official awake representative. You're still on mission. So we went into Starbucks in the Kitchener-Waterloo area. I, I can't get those two straight. I don't know which is which. But anyway, went in there. And so we're sitting there. And suddenly this guy, older gentleman, sits down beside me. And he starts reading his paper. And Cheryl's sitting there reading, I don't know what you were reading, Housekeeping Magazine or one of those aspiring kinds of things. And sitting there. And all of a sudden I felt this nudge to, to engage this person in conversation. I remember his name to this day. Started chatting and felt spurred, if you will, to say, any good news? Simple question, right? Guess where we landed? The good news. A simple question can lead to the most profound conversation. That's all it takes. Got to share Jesus with this gentleman. That could happen. That, that, that's not rocket science. I didn't have all kinds of you know, fancy gizmos and gadgets, but I had what I needed, Jesus. And to hear him prompt and respond can lead to significant conversation in your workplace, in the mall, at the coffee shop, with your neighbors. God bless you as you seek after him. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people that you love so fully and even desperately. Thank you that you have created us for greater things and that we can participate together with you through worship, through prayer, and also through the mission that you've called us to. Would you just continue to show us what it means to live meaningful lives that have purpose in the greater scheme of things? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said, he said, look around you. The fields are white. They're ripe for harvest. Look around you. He says they're ripe right now. Not something we got to work ourselves up for, get ready for. There's harvest around and that's not to say every person in our life might be ready today at the exact moment but as surely as God lives there is someone in your circle or someone you will connect with this week there is someone who is ripe and ready 
to hear about Jesus, but someone has to open their mouth and tell them, right? How can they hear unless someone shares it? And how can they share unless they are sent? And so we're sending you today, just like we've sent Somdi off to Thailand. We're sending you out wherever your sphere of influence is. We're all here, if you're a follower of Jesus, because somebody shared Jesus with you, whether it was parents or a friend or a pastor or a loved one, whatever. We're all here. We're all going to heaven because someone told us about Jesus. And part of the, the gift that we receive by grace is now we go and we share because there are others who need that gift too. And as Ed so wonderfully said today, like there's nothing more to come. There's no more Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit's here already. There's no more commissions to come. He's given the commission and the commandment already. You have what you need. You've got it on you right now. There's nothing more other than the faith and obedience to take a step and to open your mouth, to ask a question. Any good news? Can I pray for you? little ways that we can bridge that gap. Let's pray before we go. Father, thank you for uh, Ed and Cheryl and Camp Crossroads, Lord, and we pray you continue uh, to pour out your blessing on that place, Lord, and give them the wisdom as leaders and the, the Holy Spirit sensitivity that they need to walk out the mission there. And give us the same thing as we walk out the mission here, Lord. Open our eyes. Jesus said, look and see, look at the harvest. Open our eyes to see it, Lord God. Just take those blinders off. And then in those moments, uh, let the words come and, and give us that boldness and, and give us that strength to take that step of faith. And as we do, meet us with your power. Meet us with your spirit in that moment, Lord, that we would be faithful to the call that you've put on us and the commission that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There is a table outside for Camp Crossroads, and Ed and Cheryl will be out there. You can go and, uh, and see them there for a moment. Be sure you say goodbye to Somdi and his family today as well. God bless you. Thank you for being here, and we will see you next Sunday.